Hey, welcome back to The Preacher's Kid, yours truly. Since most of this session is about my first long family trip out west, I asked the Wilt Boys to sing that song about wandering. Quite the song you would hear being sung in any church, but hey, let's give it a try. Go for it, boys. This session, I want to take a brighter view of being with PK. Family trips across country, visit to the Devil's Tower, and the I don't talk about the Freudian significance of the tower. <laughs> I mean, it's very plain to see and very gauche to mention. Talk to us, PK. The only thing about this geological phallic symbol is that it appears truncated not far above the base, which suggests perhaps that, well, we need not go further. Okay, let's get into it. Enjoy. We wended our way west my Uncle Ed's modest parsonage somewhere in the hinterlands of Wyoming. The land was flat, the sky huge, the soil sandy with weeds and shrubs that straggled behind all the shanties lining both sides of the county road for a short stretch. There in the backyard was an ancient pale green ford Shiny chrome bumpers and bulbous headlights, googly-eyed like a spaceship, parked behind Uncle Ed's garage. I was eight years old, and I badly wanted to fly it. I got into the driver's seat, pressed the pedal to the metal, and waggled the huge steering wheel. Nothing happened. I figured it was out of fuel. Later, I wheedled out of my dad where one would inject fuel into a car. He showed me on the family cars parked out front. Sure enough, the spaceship had a flap that opened on the rear side with a large metal cap that twisted off. For the fuel, I splashed about one gallon of water into the tank. Still, the rocket failed to ignite and achieve liftoff. I remember getting bored after that, when in search of my little brother and cousin to play with. Later that afternoon, my father and Uncle Ed invited me to accompany them to the shed behind the garage. As they continued to the rear and stopped by the space car, I began to feel queasy, kind of like slipping off a precipice in the badlands of South Dakota. Somebody must have told somebody about my fuel experiment. My father put the question to me, and I decided I might get off easier if I told the truth about pouring water into the tank. To be honest, I couldn't see anything wrong with doing that in the first place. But my dad informed me that Uncle Ed treasured that vehicle and he was greatly upset about it. What I had done could ruin the motor. 
Well, I felt bad for my uncle. He was a preacher like my dad. I apologize. Rockets need gas, not water, to blast off. I can't remember if Dad administered a spanking or not. Probably not. I felt bad enough for what I had done. My dad once told me that his boys, he and Uncle Ed, peed into their little pull-along wagon for a punishment. My grandfather dumped their faces in it. Kinda like my dad dumped my head into the fundamentalist muck when I was older. The next day, our two families drove to visit the Devil's Tower. It drove my PK's imagination to heights as yet unknown. It was a geological wonder. Naturally, the adults questioned why it had to be called the Devil's Tower. I recollect trying to call it by a Christian, Christian name like the Lord's Tower, the Savior's Tower, Christ's Tower, God's Tower. But those names didn't have the sublime ring of Devil's Tower. I read all the informational pack pamphlets and trail signs about its mystifying formation. Closer inspection revealed sharp columns running up its sides. Ancient land dwellers once speculated that an equally gigantic prehistoric bear from top down scraped the rock tower with its claws, sparks flying like lightning from under them. That explained the columnar jointing of the structure. As we walked the trail around the base of it, I pictured myself climbing to the top of Devil's Tower, crawling up over the ledge to discover a flat couple acres so very remotely elevated into the sky. I imagined the windswept remains of ancient fires and encampments of a lost tribe up there, so far out of reach where the wind whistles harmony to the ghostly chanting of a lost musical language. You know, folks, I mentioned that I most likely didn't receive a spanking for what I did to Uncle Ed's hobby car. I'll tell you why I probably didn't. Some time before the Wyoming trip, my mother caught me doing something I shouldn't have been doing and delegated Dad to carry out my punishment. He came out to the living room and asked me to come with him into the bedroom. I knew what was coming. He shut the door behind him and told me to lean over the bed. As I did so, I saw him take off his belt and double it in half. He kept the buckle in his hand, fortunately. He intoned a reason for the punishment, saying something like he was doing it because he loved me. It sounded an awful lot like what Jesus might have said. Suddenly, that triggered me to start laughing. I thought it was funny that Dad had to do what he didn't want to do. I could take the spanking, but it would be funny at the same time. I couldn't stop laughing because of the gravity of the situation. Then Dad started laughing too. He couldn't help it either. Finally, he aimed a half-hearted swat at my butt, and that was it. 
I was never spanked after that. Amen. I think, folks, what tore me up in later childhood and adolescence was the fact that I had learned to love my parents as much as they loved me. But their religious beliefs often got in the way. We had fun family times outside the house, like the trip to Wyoming and taking advantage of the natural resources that Maine had to offer. Boating, fishing, camping, traveling back roads, picnics, climbing Mount Katahdin. I grew to question and then finally to dislike so much what they believed in. Nevertheless, I never lost the love they had shown me as a child and never will. My parents weren't so bad, really. The religion was not really a core part of them. They wore it like clothing, although I sure didn't like the fashion. <laughs> oh well, Selah. May you find your way. Until next time, thanks for listening.